You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. The Federal Reserve said yesterday that it's keeping its benchmark interest rate unchanged, also modestly upgrading the central bank's longer-term economic outlook. That's the conclusion of the two-day meeting of the Federal Open Market Committee. Uh, the uh, announced federal funds rate will remain at a quarter of a percent to a half a percent. That's what the banks charge each other for overnight loans. Here to tell us more about the Federal Reserve and your investments is Michael Farr. He is the chief executive in the founder of Farr Miller and Washington. He's based in Washington, D.C. He can be followed on Twitter at Michael underscore K underscore Farr, F-A-R-R. And of course, uh, Washington, D.C., home to Bloomberg 99.1 FM and 105.7 FM HD2. Michael Farr, tell us what your reaction is to the Federal Reserve and will they raise interest rates in December by 25 basis points? Tim, thanks for having me very much. It's always great to be with you and Kathleen. Um, I, I, don't, I can't believe the market's reaction today. I mean, I can't, I, it, for the life of me, understand how everyone didn't see this non-event, no move, nothing done, as we say in the business, kind of a move out of the Fed coming. And yet the market reaction today looks like, I guess they really weren't expecting it. Stocks are higher. Uh, the dollar is lower. And bonds are rallying. I mean, that, that, that really looks like there was something of a surprise in this data anyway, uh, or somehow we've inspired the um, most all of the bulls and perhaps the dollar bears to come in and make some changes. They threatened, of course, more action, that they're actually going to go ahead and get closer to tightening in December. I don't believe them. I wish they would. I'd like to see them move to the sidelines. I don't believe them. I think if they're going to remain data dependent, they are very worried. I think they're chickens at the Fed, and I think they're going to stay very, at very least on the sidelines for the foreseeable future. And of course, now we've got hawks, doves, and chickens. I like that. But you know, I think that. Uh, <laughs> but you know, Michael, it seems that a couple of things. Number one, um, it wasn't just whether or not the Fed raised the rate in yesterday, and whether or not they're going to raise in December. It's the fact that they, uh, the consensus view now, the dots are all over the map, but the dots for are clustered. For 2017, around two interest rate increases, only two, not three as they had before, okay? And that seems to be uh, underscoring this view that was described very well in a terrific story on the Bloomberg today, that instead of diverging, traders are saying, oh, they're still in convergence mode. The Fed's not going to make a move, and if they do, it's not going to be very much. And the European Central Bank and, gosh, the Bank of Japan and the Bank of England, they're all really easy. So it seems that's one of the reasons why you see this this move down on the dollar again. Kathleen, I think that you're, you're right, though. I, I suppose on some level I'm pretty disappointed. Markets have been moving for seven or eight years now on every utterance out of the Federal Reserve. The Fed's going to tighten and markets go down, and the Fed's going to ease and markets go up, and the Fed's going to maintain low rates for longer and markets go up. You know, I'm kind of uh, one of these old fundamental investors who likes to look at balance sheets and income statements and understand businesses and barriers to entry and what really creates value. And a lot of that hasn't mattered the last few years. It, most of, of market gains have been driven by P.E. multiple expansion, a little bit in terms of earnings increases, and, and a lot of, ter- of, of really the easy money effect. Um, uh, optimism on, you know, free money forever out of investors 
Uh, I think it's created moral hazard. I think it's creating bubbles in certain places. But I think the message that Wall Street's getting is they're not going to change anything soon, so I'm going to stay in and swim, and the punch bowl stays full, and so party on, guys. Well, Michael, you know, you sound so last century with this idea of, you know, actually looking at a balance sheet or, you know, some kind of defensible business model or even some kind of innovation. I, you know, I, I feel for you there, you know, but you got to get with the modern world I, here. I, uh, let me I appreciate it. Mark Haynes said that I do. I was, uh, God rest his soul, was said I was kind of stupid for, for thinking that moral hazard still existed. Sooner or later, and, and, you know, it's been a lot later than I and a lot of other thought, others thought, uh, sooner or later, fundamental valuations matter and balance sheets matter again. There right. is a disruptor in our future, and you better have a seat when the music stops. Okay, so having said that, would you be willing to take, let's say, 3% dividend from a bank like J.P. Morgan or another financial institution in order to just kind of wait and maybe see when that moment comes? Yes, absolutely, I would. Uh, I think it makes a great deal of sense. If you look at the banks that are trading at book value, and some of them write at tangible book value with a 25 to 3% dividend, I think that those banks, at some well, one, they're cheap, but uh, they will benefit as interest rates go up. It's a hard environment for them to make money. It's a new world for banks post-Dodd-Frank, but at a certain valuation, they, I think they're very compelling. A 3% dividend makes sense. And the time to buy stuff is when everybody else hates it. I don't know anybody who's out there jumping into banks. I like them. Okay, so what, what and who are you avoiding and why? Well, I think you have to avoid the stuff that has run the most and the most recently. So if you take a look at a lot of the yield stocks, a lot of the utilities, certainly the pipeline LPs and energy LPs, a lot of them already rolled over, and it's way late in that trade. Uh, utilities and some of the REITs, they were great trades for the first six months of the year. I think you're going to see a return, and you've already started to see people voting and moving with their wallets to the uh, more fundamentally sound balance sheets uh, that have real growth that are not over-levered and that do have some dividends. So I think valuations are beginning to matter again. If the Fed actually says that they're going to stay away for longer and people begin to believe it, then I think the risk trade comes back in and watch out for the FANG stocks again. But but for now, we seem to be enamored of fundamentals. I've always been enamored of fundamentals. Uh, some days it works, some days it doesn't, but I sleep very well at night. All right. So in the context of sleeping well at night, I'm just going to offer up your list. The BB&T Bank, uh, as well, they pay more than 3%. J.P. Morgan, 2.8%. You also uh, cite PNC and Goldman Sachs. Maybe just talk about that in the context of what you describe as this rotation out of those high yielders, maybe at one point, utilities, telecom, and REITs. Right. Well, I would own those companies, and I'm still probably below a market weight, meaning that my allocation to those banking stocks will be below, as you look at a financial allocation within the S&P 500. But I think that they fit a nice place within a portfolio that has uh, probably some consumer staples, some healthcare, and some technology, but the technology, again, with some solid balance sheets. So these are, these are uh, on the banking side, um, names that have basically gotten beaten up as a group, as there's a, they really haven't with these low rates been able to make much money and earn much on deposits at all. Uh, just any incremental rate increase helps these guys a lot. I might be early, but I get paid to wait. And, you know, as you said, Tim, as a stodgy guy uh, like me, 
that's not a bad idea to let somebody pay me 3% hmm. when the 10-year Treasury is paying, what, one6 so, Michael, how are you factoring into the, the, the election into the markets? Uh, Hillary Clinton uh, leading pretty handily in some of the latest polls out today, presidential debates coming. Uh, but Donald Trump uh, is giving it all he's got. There's still time left. How, how is this outcome of the election going to affect or not affect the stock market? You know, it's such a thorny question, Kathleen, whenever you talk politics. And in Washington, we talk politics uh, much more easily than other places around the country. But um, this is not a political comment. Markets have been pricing in a Clinton victory. Uh, That's where the numbers have shown. And markets have gone ahead and said, we're going to place our investments basically in line with a uh, Secretary Clinton outcome as victor. When she stumbled and became ill, Uh, a week and a half ago or so, markets really fell after that. It's not so much an anti-Mr. Trump sort of a comment, in my opinion. It's much more of a, oh, my, we haven't considered where we're going to have to put our money for a Trump victory. So I think that you will certainly uh, uh, see a fair amount of frenzy and froth in the markets coming into the election. But Wall Street wants to know how to price what it can expect. and. Right now, they continue to price a Secretary Clinton victory. We'll see if that if that uh, pans out. But a little volatility is expected. And by the way, markets are high. Markets are uh, you know still uh, at, at near all time highs. Markets will come down at some point. That's not a reason for panic. It will be an opportunity to do some buying. But don't start worrying. I- I'm talking to so many clients okay. saying, "Where should we get out of this now?" You don't. All right. Michael Farr, thank you so very much for joining us from Farr Miller, Washington, in Washington, D.C. Market close with our stocks editor, Dave Wilson, coming up. I'm Kathleen Hayes along with Pim Fox. This is Bloomberg.